Well, welcome to Emmanuel. Merry Christmas. We celebrate Christmas all through the month of December here at Emmanuel. You guys feeling blessed today? You excited to be here? It is a joy to be here with you today. And we're in a series right now called God With Us. And essentially what we said in this series last week, if you're new with us here today, is that the good news of Christmas is all about how God came to be with us. And we're going to dive into that series a little bit more today. Uh, but before we do that, I want to welcome all of our friends that are online right now watching our online campus. Can we get up for our online campus right now? Thanks for tuning in all across the country and the world. Also want to welcome everyone at our Banta campus. And of course, I want to welcome you guys here at the Greenwood campus. But I also want to extend a special welcome to our Franklin campus. They are now celebrating their grand opening over there at the Franklin campus. You spent three years over there in the middle school, and now you have your own campus. We're so excited for you. And I just got a text message from a friend of mine who's there and said you're having to set up extra chairs. How exciting is that? That awesome or what? So those of you who are probably never go to the Franklin campus because you don't live over there, let me give, just give you three quick little pictures about what it looks like right now. With the, this is kind of the outside, what, what the Franklin campus looks like. It's absolutely gorgeous. On the inside when you go, this is the picture of the auditorium. Kind of looks like this one here. Except right now there's a lot of people there. We see you, Franklin. We do. We see you. So it's filled with people there. And then this is also a picture of the lobby. Kind of looks like what we have out here, but a little bit newer. Kind of like a new car. You know what I'm talking about? The smells, the, the carpet, a lot of fun. And so what? Uh, one more time, can we give God glory for what he's done? We love you guys. It would not be, that would not be possible without your generosity. And I, so I so appreciate all of you who've decided to, to chip in financially and become part of seeing the mission fulfilled here at Emmanuel. As our generosity increases, we will increase our ministry and hopefully launch more and more campuses to help people find Christ and become more like him. And so I'd like to pray right now for Pastor Brent, the campus pastor over there, and his staff that they would be successful in their ministry moving forward. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done in Franklin, the work that's been going on there for the past three years. I know things are just getting started in their brand new building, and so I pray that you would work powerfully in the lives of the people in Franklin, help them to understand the gospel, live in the gospel, understand that the good news is that you live with us right now. I pray for extraordinary wisdom and fortitude and perseverance for Pastor Brent, for his team, for his staff, for the volunteers at Franklin, that they would see many, many people come to Christ and grow in Christ. And we pray all of this in your precious powerful name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So again, I want to welcome you here. And, and like I said earlier, we're in a series right now called God With Us. It's our Christmas series. And the, really the Christmas story is about God making it possible for us to live with him every single day. In fact, when we look into the Christmas story in the book of Matthew, Matthew quotes Isaiah 500 years before Christ was born. This is what Isaiah said in verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel. If you've ever wondered where, why we call our name Emmanuel, the name of our church, this is the reason right here because of what it means. The Christmas message is simply this, that God is with us. For, for far too long, the gospel has been maybe just focused in on what happens to a person after they die. But the real gospel message is, is that God has come with us. He's come in the form of a baby that Christmas morning. And he lived 33 years and he died on a cross and he rose again. Yes, to forgive us of our sins. Yes, to redeem us. Yes, to purchase us. Yes, to show us mercy. All of that's included. But, but more importantly, 
or, or perhaps just as important, to live with us right now. To, to be able to draw upon divine strength and wisdom and hope and peace in this life right now before we die. Jesus said it this way, repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. It's something you can take hold of right now in your life. And so last week, if you weren't here, we talked about how God is with us in the valleys. What's the valley? It's a low point, often triggered by a negative circumstance. And, and God is with us in the valley, right? Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Why does the presence of God drive out fear? Because God is all powerful and he loves us. And, the, and John, the apostle said, perfect love casts out fear. And so I'm not going to re-preach the message from last week, but I, I, I'm tempted to. But anyway, we won't do that. We're going to talk about something different today. God is with us in different areas of our life. To, in particular, we want to talk about how God is with us in the wilderness. He's with us in the wilderness. How many of you remember the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? What a great movie, right? So now some of you haven't seen it, and, that, and that's your fault because I'm about to spoil it for you. So it's not my fault, it's your fault because it's an older movie, you should have seen it, or your parents should have showed it to you or something like that. Anyway, Castaway, you know, Tom Hanks, play, I can't even remember the dude's, what his name was, but he's a FedEx delivery guy, his plane goes down in the middle of the ocean, he happens to find a, uh, an island there, and he survives, and everybody else dies, and, and he's basically stranded in this space between, you know, real life and and. and finding a way off this island and getting back to real life. And the whole movie is just the story of how he learns to survive. Remember when he learns how to fish? Wasn't that a cool part of the story? You know, and he's just, he's just trying to learn to survive. And, and do you remember when he made fire? What a great scene. Remember, he's like, I made fire. Well, that's, that's worth watching the movie right there, just that one scene. I also love the scene. This is just doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. But remember the scene where he knocks out his tooth with the, with the skate? Oh, man. you just, you just like, what a guy. You know, awesome, awesome movie. But it, it, here's, this movie will give us a picture of what the wilderness is like. The wilderness, in your notes there, is this, it's the space between. It's this place where we kind of get suspended or caught or trapped between, you know, two phases in our life. For us, it might be, you know, between divorce and, and, and finding someone that, that we're, we can spend the rest of our lives with. You know, that, that space between. Maybe if you're a little bit younger... It's that space between when you graduate from college and you find your, you're like you're a real job, you know, and you just got this space between. For some of us, it's, sometimes it's a spiritual wilderness where we feel far from God and it's just this weird space that we're in and we're, our faith is shaken. You know, for some of us, it's, a, it's, it's the space between two jobs. Maybe our, our uh, company downsized and, and, and now we're looking for another job and there's this time of unemployment. And, and we go through these different phases in our life. They, we can call them wilderness times. You might be thinking, wait, wait, that sounds familiar. That sounds similar to a valley. Isn't, isn't that what a valley is? Well, it is similar in the sense that it's a difficult time, but it's different. And here's how it's different. A, a, a wilderness is different from a valley when it comes to length of time. I mean, think about the movie. You know, Tom Hanks is on this island, and, and there's, there's no, like, there's no way off. Like, when's he going to get out of there? Like, when's a ship going to come? When's a plane going to come? Like, when can he go back to normal life? When can he go back to his, remember the woman that he was sort of dating or whatever? Like, when can he go back to her? When can, I don't know. We don't know. It's just this, this period of time. And some, for some of us, it's like, well, now we're single and we were in a relationship. When are we going to find this next person we're going to spend? We don't know. 
Like, when are we going to find a job that we really love? And we, we don't know. Like, when is this going to change? And that's the thing about the wilderness that drives people crazy. It's just, there's just no way out. There just doesn't seem to be an end of it. The, uh, the Israelites went through a major wilderness. Remember, if you went to Sunday school, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And it wasn't a fun place for them. The prophet Jeremiah talks about the wilderness time for the Israelites He says, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, watch this, he describes the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through and no one dwells. This is not a fun place, the wilderness, deep darkness, pits, deserts. No one goes on vacation to the wilderness. Like nobody builds a house in the wilderness. Nobody goes through it and wants to stay there. This was not a fun place for the Israelites. They spent 40 years. Hopefully your wilderness doesn't last 40 years. (laughs) Say that prayer real quick. Lord, deliver me. There's a lot of emotion in the wilderness. There's anger. There's uh, frustration. There's confusion. Do you remember Tom Hanks? Remember what he did? Because he was kind of going crazy. Remember, it's just... This loneliness thing, he didn't have another human being to talk to, and so what did he do? He, he created Wilson, that's right, that's right. Some of you haven't seen the movie, shame on you, okay? He created Wilson, you know, two little two eyes, and you know, the mouth, and the little nose there, and, and he just propped him up in the cave, you remember? I'm just going to prop him up from here so Wilson can stare at you for the rest of the talk. And he propped him up in the cave and then he would talk to Wilson and Wilson became his friend. Why? Because he's kind of losing his mind. That's what happens in the wilderness sometimes, right? Remember the day when Wilson floated away? Oh, it doesn't it break your heart? Poor guy had one friend and then that friend leaves him. Crazy things can happen in the wilderness. Frustration, anger, confusion, fear, boredom, Right? But I think the most dangerous thing that can happen to us in the wilderness is that we begin to doubt God. Because there's no end in sight. Things are not changing. Prayers seem to go unanswered. There's no path to to, to change your situation. There doesn't seem to be any resolution Right? It's the space like, look, when you get the diagnosis of cancer and, and when, like, when is it going to go into remission? Like, when is the chemo going to, when is the radiation going to work? Like, when? We don't know. We don't, we're not sure. Maybe this long, maybe this long. It's that space between, and we don't really know when things are going to get better. And because of that, we begin to question God. I remember vividly, several years ago, I was preaching a sermon, and I can't remember what it was about. That happens a lot. I know it happens to you, too. What did he say? I don't know. This guy comes down front right here in this area, and, you know, I never know what people are going to say, and he starts saying, you know, since, this blew me away. No one has ever said this to me before. You know, since I started to come to Emmanuel and, you know, be a person of faith, my life has gotten very difficult. In fact, things have kind of fallen apart in my life. And um, I, I just don't think faith works. I don't think, the, I don't think it all, and so I'm out of here. You know, of course, I tried to talk sense to him, but he, he walked out. I've never seen that man again. And I appreciated his honesty. But here's what I heard that day. 
things, pits, deserts, deep darkness. Like I thought when you give your life to God, like things are supposed to get better. Now I'm in this wilderness. I don't think he's there. I don't think prayers work. And so I'm done with the whole thing called faith, church, and God. And, he, and, and he's out here. And, and you know somebody that's done that. And I know somebody that's done that. And that's the greatest danger in the wilderness, which is why it's so important that we have to embrace this idea that God, like the good news of Christmas is that God is with us and he's with us in the wilderness. And when we realize that he's with us in the wilderness, instead of, our, instead of losing our faith in the wilderness, we, we recognize his care. We, we sense his presence when he's with us. Instead of denying our faith or allowing our faith to be shaken to the core, we draw near to him. God is a father and he is going to care for us in the wilderness. The book of Deuteronomy is a, a group of three sermons, 30-some chapters. Moses is preaching these sermons to the children of Israel as they are leaving the 40 years of wilderness wandering, and they're going into the promised land. This, that's when these three sermons happen. In the first sermon, Moses is reminding the children of Israel of his faith, God's faithfulness and things that they need to do. Chapter 1, verse 29, he says this, Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them, the people that were living in the promised land. They were big. They were tall. Fortified walls. Lots of spears, swords, shields. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Watch this. Just as he did for you in Egypt, remember the 12 plagues, remember the Red Sea, just as he fought for you then, he's going to fight for you now. And remember how he took care of you in the wilderness. How did he do that? Watch this. Where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a father or as a man carries his son. All the way that you went through the wilderness until you come or have come to this place. What place? The promised land. This is God. This is God as heavenly father. Why does God continually through the scripture bring you and I back to this metaphor of father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, father, daughter? Why does he do that? It's all throughout the Bible. Here's why he does that. Because he knows that the heart of a good parent, the heart of a parent, a father, a mother who loves their children, when they see their kids struggling or going through a difficult time of maybe a loss of identity or maybe rejection from friends or maybe some type of difficulty with school or grades or some type of, you know, relationship. When, when parents see their kids go through a time of, of difficulty, what they do is they lean in. They don't draw away. They try to pick their kids up. Now, I know some parents become helicopter parents, and, and, and we can take it too far, okay? I'm not talking about that. But what we do, our natural inclination, because we love our children, is to lean in and pick them up and want to carry them through. This is God in the wilderness for the children of Israel. Remember how when you were there for 40 years, I leaned in, and as you went through your difficulties, I carried you as a father carries his son. I've seen, I've seen my wife do this. I, she does it better than I do. And she, when she sees our kids struggling, she, she presses in closer to walk them through the difficult time. That's what a good parent does, and that's what God does for you. So instead of, instead of the wilderness causing us to, to kind of throw our faith out, when we realize that he's with us, we draw in. We say, look, look, he's caring for us. He's, he's with us even when it's difficult, even in the deserts and the pits and, and the dark places. God is here. Now, let, let, me, let me make mention of two ideas that I think we tend to forget when it comes to the wilderness. In your notes there, the first one is that God is the one who leads us there. God 
leads you and I into the wilderness. Like, this is a deal that he orchestrates. He's not up there going, oh my gosh, have you seen what's happening to Jill? (laughs) It's terrible. Did you see what Joe's suddenly going through? What happened? Who missed that? Like, God is not up there looking at our lives confused or taken back or just, like, he is the one who is designing our lives. He's leading us into the wilderness. Or at the very least, he's the one who is allowing us to enter into the wilderness. Maybe because of personal choices that we've made. You say, how do you know that? Well, listen to what happened to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was, say it with me, led. Our Savior, our Lord, the one we call Messiah, the one we worship, the one we say, what a beautiful name it is, the the one we, we love, Jesus was led. By who? By the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. Why? <laughs> to be tempted by the devil. Now, here's what I hear when I see that when I read when I when I see this verse, I go, well, if if the if my Messiah was led into the wilderness, how long was he there? 40 days and 40 nights, right? If my Messiah was led into the wilderness, what makes me think that God is not gonna lead me into the wilderness? Oh, he will, and he'll do it to you as well. Let me give you a picture of what Jesus had to face when he was in the wilderness. This is the actual place that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights. Does anybody want to volunteer to go there? Anybody want to set up camp there? Anybody want to rent some space there? (laughs) Anybody want to go on a vacation there? This was not a fun place. One time the devil said to Jesus when he was here, hey, son of God, turn those stones into bread. I know you're hungry. If Jesus went here, what makes us think that we are not going to enter into a wilderness? And having the knowledge that God is the one leading us there prevents us from throwing our faith out, and it helps us to recognize his loving care for us when we are there. And we're going to talk about why he would do that in just a second. I just want to make mention of something we tend to forget, that he's the one who is leading us there. Something else we, we tend to forget is that he, his plan is to lead us through it. His plan is to lead us through it. it, it and I, here's what I mean by lead us through it. Two things. Number one, he's going to walk with us as he did with the Israelites all the way through day by day. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8, first sermon Moses is preaching. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. What does that mean? He's not talking about taking you from point A to point B, although that happened. He's talking about, I was with you the entire time, every single day, carrying you, leading you, guiding you, giving you wisdom. That's God's plan, to lead you through it. But not just in the moment. He also wants to take you through it in the sense that we're going to go from A, point A, to point B. Listen to this promise God gives the children of Israel in Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you pass through the fire, guess what? You will not be burned up. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is a promise. God's plan is to bring you through it. If you think about the movie uh, uh, Castaway, you know, What happens if Tom Hanks doesn't figure out how to build a raft? I mean, what kind of movie do you have? You go through this movie, you're you're an hour, 30 minutes into it, and instead of building a raft, he dies. (laughs) And you go, what? That's a dumb movie. Well, yeah, the, guy, the guy's plane goes down, he's stranded on an island, and he makes a, he makes a, a, a little friend here, and then, and then he starves. And then you see his dead body on the beach. No, 
Well, that's not how the movie ends. The movie ends with this. He builds a raft. There's a wave. There's the wind. And he blows it into sea. And then the ship finds him, right? Or the whale finds him. I can't remember how, who, which one found him first. But, but it's a great movie. Why? Because he got out of there. <laughs> The Israelites got out of the wilderness. The plan wasn't to stay there for 40 years. And God's plan for you is not to stay there forever. He's going to take you through it. Somebody say amen, because this is some good preaching right here. Now, why would he take you in there at all? Like, let's answer that question. Like, what's God doing? Three things. We'll work through these really quick. Number one, it's a journey of self-discovery. God is trying to help you understand or help us to understand ourselves in the wilderness. Let's go to the text real quick. Remember the sermon Moses is preaching? Oh, this is fun. I'm getting into this now. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Let's go back to it. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. What was he doing there? Watch. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out if you're the type of people who would obey or disobey. Now, who is trying to figure out what here? Is God the one that lacks knowledge about the character of the Israelites? Did God test them so that he could discover what type of people they were? If they would obey or disobey, yes or no? No, because God kind of knows our character, yeah? I mean, he knows what type of people we are. No, we go into the wilderness so that we can discover what type of people we are. Am I the type of person that will obey or disobey? I don't know. Let's see. Let me go into the wilderness and find out. See, it's the difficult times in our life. Please hear me. This is some good preaching. It's the difficult times in our life that reveals the character that we really have. See, we can talk a big game, and I do this a lot to myself. Ah, I'm a pastor. I've probably got some good character. I mean, I'm, a, I'm one of those professional Christians. I get paid to be a Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Like, my, like I'm probably like a really good guy. And then I go through some, so, some little bit of difficulty, little bit of wilderness, little bit of desert, little bit of darkness, little bit of pits, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm a punk. Like, I'm just, a, I'm just, I'm just, just ask my wife. Let's just right now, just ask her. Say, what's he like when it gets hard? Like, and there it is. The difficult times reveals the character. To who? To God? No, he knows all about how punkish I am. And he knows about the type of character you have. It reveals it to us. How selfish are we? How rude and unkind are we? Well, the wilderness always reveals our character. So the children of Israel go into the, into the wilderness to discover what type of people they are. And when they, when they discover what type of people they are, now they have reality and they can work with what they have and now they can get better instead of deluding themselves and fooling themselves. This is why James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when wilderness wanderings happen in your life, consider it an opportunity for what? For great joy? I've always read that and thought, you're sick, dude. <laughs> like, who gets excited about difficult times? Like, nobody, unless... Unless you understand that God is the one who's orchestrating this deal and the reason he has led you into the wilderness, the difficult times, is so that he can test your what? Your faith. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. Why? So that your endurance is fully developed, leading to what? So that you can be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, it's the times of dip difficulty that grow us. It's the times of difficulty and wilderness wanderings that stretch us, that where we discover what we're really like so we know what to deal with and we know how to change and we know what books to read and we know what sermons to listen to, we know what counselors we need to talk to and we know what steps we need to take. The wilderness reveals all 
of that. See, if you look at your faith on, on a scale from one to 10, zero being you absolutely are an atheist, you have no faith at all, you know, God is not there. And 10 is like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like I have peace and joy no matter what. You know, God is always there for me. I have 100% faith, right? Zero to 10. Like how do you know where you are on this scale? The wilderness always tells the truth. So I can tell myself that I'm a, an eight or a 10, and then I go through the wilderness and it turns out that I'm like more like a two or a, or a, or a four. <laughs> How do you know? Well, the, the difficult times, maybe a six or maybe an eight. How do you know? Well, I went to church this morning. Doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? So don't, don't do this today. <laughs> Because coming to church or watching online, or you, it, that doesn't show where your faith is. Now, it can help grow your faith. This sermon can help grow your faith, but it's not going to make your faith stronger. How do, you, how do you know where your faith is? Well, you go through the wilderness. So what does God do? He takes the children of Israel into the wilderness so they can discover what they are really like. And that's what he does in your life, and he does that in my life. What else does he do? Well, number two, the wilderness is a time where he teaches us how to live by faith. He teaches us how to live by faith. Let's look back at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. This is fascinating to me. Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, would God really do that? You ever, you ever do that? You're reading the Bible and like, wow, can't believe he did that. He does things sometimes that we wouldn't necessarily do. He leads his people into the desert, into the wilderness, and he lets them go hungry. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been hungry before. A couple years ago, I did a 21-day fast, no food for 21 days. Let's just say I was hungry <laughs> at a different sort of level of hungry, okay? I don't know how I made it through that time. So I know what it's like to be hungry, and, and, and God leads them into the wilderness, and their food sources are gone. They got no food. Why would God do that? Listen, he humbled you and by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with this thing called manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Here's why it was unknown, because it came from heaven. It came right from heaven. Like this flaky white stuff fell down and every morning it would fall on the grass and the children of Israel would go out and they would gather it up and they would make cakes out of it. And then if they tried to store it up for the next day, it would spoil, teaching them that they would have to go back out the next morning and get fresh manna off the grass to make more cakes to sustain them for the day. What's going on here? He did this to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, which Jesus would quote to the devil in Matthew chapter 4. But rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. A little confusing. We'll get there. Hold up. Next verse. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. So they're roaming around in the desert for 40 years. They have one pair of shoes, one pair of pants, one shirt, one blouse. And for 40 years, their clothes and their shoes somehow, miraculously, never wear out. Can you imagine having one pair of jeans that you wear every day and they're just as good as the first day you wore them? This is crazy, right? Ladies, a shirt, a blouse, your favorite blouse, you wear it every single day and it doesn't wear out, it doesn't spoil. What is God doing here? What did he teach them? He brought them into the wilderness to show them 
that they need to stop living by bread alone. What does that mean? That they need to stop counting on what they can see, touch, feel, taste, and smell. He was trying to teach them that there's this spiritual realm where supernatural things come from, like manna, and, and, the, and your clothes not wearing out, and, and strength, and wisdom, and peace. There, there's, uh, there's this spiritual realm called the kingdom of God, and you need to learn to live from that kingdom. That's called living by faith, and not by sight. And isn't that what Paul said in 2 Corinthians? We are to live by faith and not by sight. See, our problem is, even as Christ followers, is that we're depending on things that we can see, taste, touch, feel, and smell. And it's our own energy and it's our own strength and it's the clothes we have and it's the things we can do with our our minds and our hands. And we've never truly learned to depend on the spiritual realm. Well, how do we learn how to depend on the spiritual realm? God himself. We have to go into the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, we run out of our own resources. Dallas Willard put it this way. God's address is the end of your rope. (laughs) Don't you love it? God, I don't have any more bread. What are we going to do? All of a sudden, it starts to snow bread. And what do we learn? I can count on God. I can stop counting on myself. Oh, I got to go. I got to do it. I got to go. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I got all my resources. I can stop counting on myself, and I can start to depend on God. Many years ago, this church went through a very, very difficult transition. Senior pastor, founding pastor transitioned things to me, 2006. We went from about 2,000 members as a church down to about 900. During that year and a half period, I did everything I possibly could to stop families from leaving. I made phone calls. I did emails. I had meetings. I preached sermons. I did this. I did that. Everything that I knew that I could do to stop families from leaving this church, I did. Finally, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. I got nothing left in the can. I got no ideas. I can't preach better sermons. I can't write better emails. I can't make any more phone calls. God, I totally 100% depend upon you. God's address is the end of your rope. And miraculously, around 2007 or so, guess what happened? Friends started, you started to invite your friends. They invited their friends. They invited their friends. We went from 900 to 1,500, 1,500 to 2,000, 2,000 to 2,500, 2,500 to 3,000, 3,000 to 4,000, 4,000 to 5,000. Here we are now with three sites, four sites, online campus, baptizing people like crazy, people coming to Christ and growing to Christ. So if somebody said, Danny, how did all that happen? I'd say, look, I got to the end of my rope, dude. Like, I tried, our staff tried everything to turn the ship around, and none of it worked. God showed up, and people started to believe the vision. God's address is the end of your rope. That's what it looks like to live by faith. So if you ask me today, do you have faith in God? I say, I have faith in God that is rock solid. It's not perfect, but there's a solid faith there. How did I learn that? In the wilderness. Sometimes you can only learn about the faithfulness of God when things are dark, when there's pits and there's deserts. Is this making sense to anybody? (laughs) Like this is what God is doing. He wants to teach us to live by faith and not by sight. It's the whole life. We learn that in the wilderness. But then there's another reason. So, so, so there's self-discovery. God, what are you teaching about, about me? You know, you're teaching me how to live by faith. Number three, and this isn't for everybody. Number three, God is disciplining you. Now, we're adults here, okay? So, so pay attention because this isn't for everybody. I have friends that are going through tremendously long deserts 
wildernesses, and that's not because of sin, but, but you know if this is for you. See, the children of Israel, if we look at verse 5, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5, think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Do you remember why they were in the wilderness in the first place? Right? They send out the 12 spies. Two come back. They say, let's go up. Joshua and Caleb. Ten say, no way. These people are huge. They've got fortified walls. They're experienced soldiers. They're like giants. We're like grasshoppers. Let's not go. In fact, let's go back to Egypt. And the whole congregation believed the 10 spies, did not believe Caleb and Joshua. God punishes them. And what is their punishment? One year for every day, the spies spied out the land. The spies spied out the land for how many days? 40 days. What did they get? 40 years in the wilderness. The whole reason they were there was because they did not believe God. They sinned against God. Now, you know if this is for you, okay? Sometimes... God sends us into a wilderness because of our sinful choices. We refuse to follow his words and we know, and we know we should and we're not. And we continue to disobey and we continue to sin. So God says, okay, we got, an or- we got to orchestrate a wilderness here to teach, to teach this person a lesson. You say, man, isn't that for Old Testament stuff? Doesn't, isn't God a God of love like today? Doesn't he just love everybody? Love, 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 love. God is love. And he is mercy, but he's also a good father. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. New Testament. For the Lord, say it with me. He disciplines. He disciplines. Who does he discipline? The kids he loves. And he punishes each one that he accepts as his, what? As his child. Like a good father, when he sees their kid continue to rebel in sin, he steps in as a great parent and he brings discipline to our lives. Some of you are in a wilderness because you have refused to obey and follow your Lord. And you know who you are. This isn't for everybody. This is just for those of you who are living in sin currently. Some of you are like, that's why my life sucks right now. (laughs) I get it. I'm so glad I came to church today. Okay, good. Then heed the word. Heed the word and stop that sin and do a reversal and do a 180. Three questions to close this out. Number one, what is God revealing to you about yourself? Remember, the wilderness is a journey of self-discovery. Am I a two, four, six, eight? Am I a three, five, seven? Number two, am I living by faith? Am I trusting in the unseen realm where God lives for power, for strength, for peace, the ability to forgive, the ability to overcome temptation? Or am I just trusting in what I can see, smell, touch, hear, and take hold of? Am I living by faith? Or am I living by sight? And then number three, where is God correcting me? Where is God trying to correct you? As your pastor, I would say to you, I would, I would from, a, from a heart of love, I would say, if, if you are caught up in sin right now, it, it's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. It's going to cost you more than, when, more than you want to pay. It's going to ruin your life. I did a series not too long ago called The Nudge. Remember that series, The Nudge? The Holy Spirit's job is to nudge us. One of the things he does is to nudge us away from sinful behavior. That's what he does. Hey, guess what? Some of you, not all of you, consider yourself nudged. <laughs> I mean, you just got nudged, <laughs> you know? Stop it. Stop it. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Maybe it's pornography. I don't know. 
You're sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse. You want to sleep with someone who's not your spouse. I mean, I mean stop it. Like, you're, you're begging for a wilderness. Maybe you're stealing something from your company. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your business dealings are, are just kind of, like, shady. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have this huge problem with anger and you're unwilling to turn from it. Stop. Look, you're begging for a wilderness. Maybe you have an issue with worry and you've just been justifying. Oh, everybody worries. Worry is a sin. Stop it. Figure it out. You're begging for a wilderness. This is, this is, this is the heart of your pastor. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Heavenly Father will step in and he will bring discipline into your life. What is he teaching you about yourself? Are you living by faith and where is he trying to correct you? I want you to hear a quick story of somebody that I just met recently. Her, her name is Kelsey. She's here today. She's actually getting baptized today in this service. And she has been through a tremendous wilderness. She doesn't even tell the half of it, maybe even the most of it. She just scratches the surface about what God has done in her life and how she's come through this wilderness and how she wants to follow Christ with her life in baptism and, and serve him and love him. Check out her story. Her name is Kelsey. Starting in high school, I would say that um, acceptance and approval was very important. I was a, a people pleaser. I didn't want to go against the grain too much, but I, I, I wanted to fit in. I um, definitely believe that I learned some bad habits in high school in regards to um, relationships and chasing after the next best thing and trying to always do what felt good. If it didn't feel good, I just, I would switch to the next best thing. And that's where, um, yeah, I believe that the addictive behaviors began. In college, I stayed pretty busy. Um, I would say that that was one of the times that I definitely walked away um, from my relationship with Christ. That's probably around the time where my drinking took off. Um, of course, I brushed it under the rug like this is what college kids do. On the outside, my life looked okay. And so um, I didn't really think much of it. I didn't think that I had a problem quite yet. Being a nurse has always been what I felt like has given me, given me purpose in, in the adulthood. Looking back now, I can see where I'd always been striving to find fulfillment in other things outside of, outside of me and outside of Christ. I've always been try, tried to fill up my cup with things that made me feel good, that, that made me feel like people needed me. But once I became a nurse, that's when I really felt like this is, this is what I was meant for. The day that I realized that um, I was a full-blown alcoholic, it was scary. I realized that uh, it was a necessity. I, I no longer drank to get drunk. I drank to survive. I drank to live. I drank to not have full-blown anxiety attacks. So October of 2017, that's um, when my life as I, as I knew it started to spiral. Um, everything that was important to me, that I thought gave me worth, that, that I loved was taken from me. It was, uh, I thought that I loved my career, gone. Um, I had a family that I loved, gone. Um, it was then that m my life was stripped. I mean, I was, I was stripped of everything that was important to me. That's when I decided to come back to Emanuel. I decided that um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but this was a good place to start. And I committed myself to coming here every Sunday. Even if I sat by myself, it was, it was what I knew that I had to do to, to start. I wasn't done making mistakes, I wasn't done screwing up, but I knew that I was headed in the right direction. I might have been falling, but I was 
for sure going to fall forward. And you know, in, in, in May, I decided it was time. It was time to make the change that I knew I needed to. Um, I had to get sober. I had to stop completely. Um, I had to take all the things that I had placed in my life that gave me false comfort. I had to eliminate them. So I have been sober for seven months, and um, I've definitely had to make some some tough decisions, go through some some rough patches, in order to get where I am today. Uh, there were times where I I was I felt alone, I felt lost, I felt like you know, am I doing the right thing? But I also had knew I had to make the choice to um, trust him. I had spent so long um, trying to figure things out myself that. Uh, it was time to let him take over. It was time to let him guide me. Um, I felt like it was finally, I had finally surrendered completely. This past year has been pretty rough. Um, but these past seven months, God has shown me that if I surrender my will to His and I trust Him and I continue just to follow His nudges and be obedient, that He will bless me. I mean, the blessings have just been poured on me and I still have a long way to go. But baptism to me is, is being able to leave all that junk in the past and, and to be washed and um, freed of, of what I've been through and what I've done and the decisions that I've made. I get, I get to come out of the water and proclaim that I'm going to walk with Christ every day from here on out. And, you know, no matter what bad decisions I've made, no matter what has happened in my past, um, I got to leave that behind. Um, I'm, I'm extremely excited. When I had heard Danny was gonna, gonna talk about the wilderness, I got, I got so excited just because I think that it's something that, that we can all relate to. You know, and I think the wilderness looks different for everybody. And you just hear these stories about baptism. You talk to some of these people and even talking to people in the lobby and you hear about the addiction, you hear about the debt, you hear about the, the divorce and the relationships and the, anything you can imagine. We're, we're all going through something. And I think it's this natural, human inclination to think that we're going through this by ourselves and that we're alone and it's it's dark and scary and there's stress and we have to do it by ourselves but God made such a perfect such a huge sacrifice that he ensured that we never have to walk through the wilderness by ourselves not for one step see the sacrifice the sacrifice he made was he gave up his perfect son on a cross he died and he rose again three days later he took the penalty of this sin for us so that when we're going through this wilderness, when we feel like it's, it's just us in the darkness, we can know that he's with us always, forever. And for some of you, you have not accepted that gift yet. You, you're, not, you're not there and that's okay. But we wanna extend that opportunity for you right here today. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You can bow your heads, repeat after me, whatever you feel like you need to do. But if you have already made this decision, I would just ask that you pray for these folks to enter into this relationship with Christ because it's a big decision for them. So, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us in the wilderness. Father, I have made mistakes. I have sinned. I have messed up. 
Father, I ask that you wash me. I ask that you cleanse me of my sins. I ask that you forgive me. And Father, I am committing today to walk with you every day for the rest of my life. And Father, I ask you to show me what it is to love you with everything I have and to love others in the same way. Father, I thank you for your grace. I accept your gift. And Father, I love you and I am so grateful. It's in your name we humbly pray and we thank you for this moment, Father. Amen. All right. Now, if you just prayed this prayer, that's awesome. And we want to celebrate with you. Can we give it up for these people who just made this decision? If you just prayed this prayer, we are so happy for you. We want you to go to the back, see our friends in the corners of the auditorium and starting point table. We've got a gift for you. It's a New Believer's New Testament. It's a great tool to help you get started. If you're online and you just prayed this prayer, yes, we're so excited for you as well. And we want you to let us know in the comments. We will send you a gift as well. Can we please give God a hand for this baptism service and these people? Oh, so good.